Friends, it's always a joy to be able to gather like this and worship our God together, but even more so today when we get to reflect on the meaning of Christmas and why we celebrate this day in the manner that we do. Now, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that we are glad that you're here. You're very welcome. Uh, please do stay back uh, after the service and enjoy some refreshments with us. We'd love to get to know you more a little bit. And you're welcome to ask us whatever questions you may have about what you heard uh, and saw today. So don't be shy. Uh, however, here's something that I can tell you right off the bat about us as a community. Our authority is the scriptures. It's this book, the Bible. This is what defines us, unites us, shapes us, and empowers us. Uh, at Grace Church, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. It is the foundation for everything we believe. And so this morning, as we think about the purpose of Christmas, it's important to get our answers from a trustworthy source. So let me now invite you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand and one of the ushers will bring you one. So open up your Bible to John chapter 18. Now in this chapter, John, one of Jesus's closest disciples, tells us about Jesus's betrayal, his arrest, and his unfair trial. Now, why would we want to go there? Well, shouldn't we look at an account of Jesus's birth to determine why he was born? Well, we can certainly do that. But in John 18, verse 37, Jesus himself tells us why he was born. Now, what could be better than that? Now, while we focus our attention on verse 37, let me read for us John 18, 33 to 38 for context. Listen carefully now to God's holy word. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not off this world. If my kingdom were off this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is off the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Let's ask the Lord for his help as we approach his word. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would now open our eyes to see the glory of your Son, our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would freshly awaken our affections for him so that we might humbly walk before you 
in the obedience of faith. We pray that the saving power of your kingship would reign over our minds. We pray that it would reign over the minds of those who do not believe, and we ask that those who do not know Christ would know him as the way, the truth, and the life. Be glorified in our midst today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few years ago, when I was walking on the campus of the University of Texas in Austin with my friend John, I noticed on the south facade of the university library this large inscription carved in stone. And it read, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That was on the university library. And I thought to myself, I wonder if any of these students walking around on campus know what those words mean. You know, those words, of course, are a quote from John 8, 32. They come from the lips of Jesus. And in that passage, Jesus tells us what it means to be his disciple. To be a true follower of Jesus, to be a Christian, is to abide in his word, to believe his word, to trust in it with all your heart, to hold fast to it. And if you do so, Jesus says, you will know the truth. You will become well acquainted with it, and the truth shall set you free. To know his word is to know the truth. John says that the words of Christ have the power to set us free from our slavery to sin. That's what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 8. You see, the word sin, sin in the gospel of John, is described like this. It's described as walking in darkness and loving it. It's being in a state where we are heading towards eternal destruction. It's being estranged from God. It's the willingness to do what we want to do and what the devil wants us to do, and an unwillingness to do what God's word calls us to do. Sin is a state wherein we refuse to listen to God's word and do not want to obey it, it's also described as spiritual blindness and unbelief. Friends, the Bible makes it clear that every human being is a sinner. Our fundamental nature is broken and twisted and corrupted. And that's why we turn to our own wisdom instead of listening to the truths of God's wisdom in his word. Now, if Jesus says that the truth will set us free, well, that teaches us two things. Number one, it tells us that we're not free. If something needs to set us free, then we're not free. And there is nothing to do, nothing we can do to free ourselves because sin has enslaved us. We are slaves to the power of sin. The second thing that passage teaches us is that the words of truth have the power to set us free because they are the words of Jesus. His words can set us free. But what is it about Jesus that we must understand in order for us to grasp the true significance of Christmas? Well, if we look at our passage this morning, John 18, verse 37, you will find that there are three Christmas facts, three truths that can help you understand the significance of Christmas. So look at John 18, verse 37. And the first truth about Christmas that we can learn from this text is that Christmas is not about an overweight man in a red suit. 
It's not about lanterns and puppets. It's not even about family. No, it is about the divine king. And that's our first point this morning, the divine king. Remember, in this chapter, there's a lot of things that are happening. John tells us that the chief priests who were jealous of Jesus conspired together. They arrested him on false charges, and then they tried him for blasphemy, for claiming to be God. Jesus was proclaiming that he was the Messiah, the Savior who was promised in the Old Testament, and that he had come to save his people from their sins. He says this directly in John 8, verse 24. Listen to this. Unless you believe that I am he, says Jesus, you will die in your sins. Jesus was the long-promised king who had come to establish an everlasting kingdom, one that could not be destroyed. The reason these Jews were so hostile towards him because they understood very clearly what he was saying. They understood very clearly who he was claiming to be. He was not only claiming to be the king of Israel, the king of the Jews, he was claiming to be God himself, hence the blasphemy charge. Now, since Israel was under Roman rule in that day, they could not execute him on their own. So they brought him to the Roman governor, Pilate. And in this passage, when questioned by Pilate, Jesus never denies his kingship. But he makes it clear that his kingdom is not of this world. If it were, his disciples would have been fighting to secure his release, he says. Look at verse 37. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. Now, you should not read this verse as though Jesus is saying, well, well you're saying that, pal, not me. No, no, that's not how you should read that verse. This is Jesus affirming his kingship. After all, he has just spoken of what? My kingdom, hasn't he? Jesus is affirming this. You said it. You got it right. This is why the NASB and the New King James will say, you say correctly or you say rightly that I am a king. But for this purpose, I was born, he says. Look at the text. In other words, when Jesus affirms his kingship, he wants to make known what sort of king he is. What does this king come to do? Pilate is worried that Jesus and his kingship is a threat to Roman rule. Now, it is a threat. The inbreaking of God's eternal rule in the person of Jesus Christ is a, is a threat to all earthly kingdoms. We've just been hearing about that in the book of Daniel. But it's not a threat in the way that Pilate conceives of it. Notice what he says. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. If there ever was a clear statement of purpose for Christmas Day, it would be this. This is why I, the king, was born, says Jesus. And for this purpose I, the king, have come into the world. But notice how in presenting his purpose, Jesus is also saying that his kingship is divine. Look at the text closely. The phrase... I was born is parallel to I have come into the world. You know, this only confirms what John has told us earlier about the divinity of Christ. He is truly human, but he is not merely human. Friends, the testimony of the scriptures is that he is truly human and truly God. Friends, this is the glory and the wonder of the incarnation of God that we celebrate on Christmas Day, he has come into the world because he is not off the world. 
You know, in, in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 8, uh, verse 27, Solomon dedicates the temple and he prays to God. You know, all of God's people are assembled. You know, they're praying for God's presence to fill the temple. And Solomon is saying this. He prays, but will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. Will God dwell on earth? Can he be contained in this little house that I have built? Think about what Paul says in Colossians 2.9. For in him, that's Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. We just sang about that. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, is God with us. God has come to visit us. And then he says something even more stunning in Colossians 2.10. Paul says, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. This is who you are if you are in Christ. John the Baptist testified about Jesus in this way. John 3.31, he who comes from above is above all. He who is off the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven, that's Jesus, is above all. Or take John 1, 1 to 3 and verse 14. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen, we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. He's the very embodiment of truth. He is the revelation and the self-disclosure of the one true God whom no one has seen. Now, perhaps you have never heard this. If you're not a Christian, perhaps you've always thought of Jesus as being a mere prophet. Or perhaps you've thought of him as the God of the Christians. But friend, the truth is that he is Lord over all. John says all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. He is the sovereign creator of all things, including you. And because of that fact, you are the subject of this king. You were created to worship him and thrive under his loving rule. Your allegiance to another God is rebellion against the one true king. You see, Jesus exercises his kingship over all. And because he is the divine king and creator of all things, all that we know that is true, everything that corresponds to fact or reality exists because of him, the God of truth. All that is true, like the fact that one plus one is two and not five, or the fact that this pulpit is black and not white. Everything that is true has its origins in him who is true. He is the standard of all truth and therefore what he says about us 
and our moral state of affairs is right and true. It's trustworthy. His word tells us that God created us to worship him and delight in him, but we chose to rebel against his kingly rule. We chose to sin against our righteous creator and create our own little kingdoms. Because of our sin and rebellion, because of our treason against the true king, his wrath is revealed from heaven against all who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Suppress the truth and believe the lie and embrace the lie. What lie would that be? Oh, that we're really not sinners. We're not rebels. We haven't rebelled against anyone. We don't need to be pardoned or for, forgiven. We're really good people. We have some hiccups and faults, but we're really good people. We need assistance, improvement, perhaps some education, but certainly not saving from God's wrath. But friends, scripture tells us that we are insurrectionists, sinners who stand condemned under, under the judgment of a holy king. This is why all moral corruption, sin, and rebellion is really a war against truth. It was Satan's ploy from the very beginning to tempt humans into sinning against God by casting doubt on the truth. Did God really say, said Satan to the first woman, in other words, is it true? But friends, truth cannot be destroyed. It can only be denied, suppressed, canceled, and hated. And this is why the eternal Son of God came into the world and took on flesh to declare the truth, the good news of his kingdom. Beloved, if Christmas is about the divine king coming into the world, then it is right, it is right and proper that we are gathered together this morning to worship him. Perhaps you ought to take a closer look at some of your cultural Christmas traditions to see what they're all about. If Christmas is about the coming of the divine king, then it would serve us well to remember why he came. And that brings us to the second Christmas truth that we can see in this verse. We see that it's about a divine disclosure. It's about a divine disclosure. Look at verse 37 again. What is the purpose for Christmas? Why did Christ come into the world? Why was he born? Answer, to bear witness to the truth. Well, that's simple enough, isn't it? As the king of truth, he speaks only the truth. You see, truth features as a, very prominently in John's gospel. John presents Jesus as the son of God sent by the father, and he's full of grace and truth. Christ is truth in the flesh, truth incarnate. He is the one who explains the God of truth to us. The glory of God, which Moses merely got a glimpse of in the Old Testament, was made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. But when God discloses himself, when he reveals the truth about himself, who we are, in light of that reality, in light of that disclosure, is also exposed. And that truth about who we are before God is a truth that mankind does not like and will do anything to get rid of. And the truth is, 
that under God's divine decree, sinners will perish under the judgment of a holy king. You know, the people in Jesus' day did not receive him or the truth about his kingdom. Listen to John 10, verses 10 to 11. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. John 1, 10 to 11. You see, Christmas, in a very real sense, is a threat. It's a threat to people who love darkness, who love their sin, who do not want their lives to be ruled by this divine king who is full of grace and truth. See, the coming of God the king into a world that has rejected his kingship is not something that the world celebrates. But you say, oh, the world loves Christmas. I mean, look at all the decorations. Look at the malls. People seem happier. They're in love. There's that warm Christmas spirit, you know, that feeling of goodwill. Sure, as long as there's no truth in Christmas, the world will love it. But the, tr but the truth is that Christ the King has come. A divine invasion has taken place. But instead of judging sinners and crushing the rebellion, this King of Truth proclaims a pardon to all who will repent of their sins and put their trust in his saving kingship. You see, this king of truth is also a gracious king. He's full of grace and truth. And this, dear friends, is the good news of the kingdom. This is the truth that Jesus bore witness to. Jesus said that he came into the world to bear witness to the truth. But the content of that truth is Christ himself who he is, and what he has come to do for sinners. His kingdom is the kingdom of truth. His kingship is about testifying to the truth, that he has come to save sinners so that they may not perish, but have eternal life. His kingship, his reign, is established through the proclamation of truth. You know, this is why we sang at the beginning of the service, true son of God, yet bearing human feature. He entered earth to reverse Adam's fall. In towering grace, he laid aside his glory and in our place was sacrificed for sin. You see, the good and gracious king, the one who existed from all eternity, was born at Bethlehem, but he was born to die. This Jesus, the Christ, took on human flesh and he died on the cross as a substitute for sinners. He took the judgment that we rightly deserve so that all who turn away from their sins and put their trust in him can be forgiven of their rebellion and be reconciled to their king. Friends, you must believe in this truth in order to be saved from God's wrath and the power of sin. This is the truth that can set you free. Jesus died on the cross and on the third day he rose from the dead to give us new life and joy everlasting. He then ascended into heaven and he reigns over all. Christ inaugurated the kingdom of God through his death and resurrection. He's establishing his kingship in the hearts of his people. That's how his kingdom is advancing in this age. And one day he will return to consummate his kingdom, to establish it in glory and perfection. That's when he will put an end to all rebellion 
will vanquish all his enemies, including death itself. He will return to judge the living and the dead and to transform this world, this earth into a new and heavenly one. Friend, if you have not sought his forgiveness, if you do not believe in the truth of who he is and what he has done, if you do not bow the knee to the one true king, you will be condemned to eternal judgment. Listen, when you hear us saying, Merry Christmas, here's what you should know. Christmas simply means that Christ was sent. And his word tells us that he was sent to save sinners from their sins. So the right way to meaningfully celebrate Christmas is to acknowledge that you're a sinner, to repent of your sins, to agree with God's truthful assessment of yourself that yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I have not submitted to him all my life. I have not obeyed his word. Agree with his truths about yourselves and then ask him for forgiveness. Come to him this morning. Cast yourself on his mercy. Cast yourself on the mercy of this God who is full of grace and truth. And then call upon the name of Jesus. Scripture says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Friends, it is this joyful freedom that makes Christmas merry. That's what we mean when we say to one another, Merry Christmas. That's what we celebrate. You know, without the saving work of Jesus, we have nothing to be merry about. If you reject Christ as the one true God and the only Savior, all you're left with is a fearful expectation of judgment. The truth that saves sinners is not a set of principles. It's a person. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Beloved, if we believe that the king bears witness to the truth and his word is truth, then every time you put your trust in your own wisdom, apart from his word, you're not only believing a lie, you're proclaiming a lie with your life. Remember that the king exercises his saving kingship through the truth of his word. So align yourself with his purposes. Know his word. Let his saving power working through his spirit-inspired word reign, rule over your sin every day. Lord, I pray that your conversations today would be saturated with encouragements and reminders from Scripture so that as subjects of your king, you too would speak the truths of the gospel to one another. Let your allegiance to him be known to all. But how do you know how does one know if they have truly believed the truth? This truth about the divine king and the good news of his kingdom. Well, Jesus says that the proof of your acceptance of the truth lies in your devotion, in your obedience to Christ. And that's the third truth of Christmas that we can learn from this verse. Christmas is about the divine king who discloses the saving truths of his kingship. And then finally, this king also demands our devotion. Look at the verse. Jesus says, everyone who is off the truth listens to my voice. To listen to his voice is to not only hear his words, but to trust them and to obey them. Now, remember that Jesus is saying this to who? To Pilate. And how does Pilate respond? Well, he responds with that 
infamous line in verse 38, what is truth? You see, Pilate has the incarnate truth in front of him, and he has no interest in the truth. He doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't want to understand it. It doesn't intrigue him. It doesn't bother him in any way, and so he dismisses the truth. You know, the text says that Pilate could not find Jesus guilty of any wrongdoing, but in order to please the Jews, he arranged for a prisoner exchange, and he handed Jesus over to be crucified. This man is happy to sacrifice the truth in order to keep everyone happy. Well, sometimes we behave like Pilate, don't we? We see a brother or sister in sin, and we would much rather sacrifice the truth on the altar of false peace. You know, if you have not recon reconciled with one another by addressing sin, not by sweeping it under the carpet, but by addressing sin, if you haven't done that, if you haven't been reconciled to someone, then Christmas Day is a great day to do it just as any other day. Perhaps some of you need to ask yourself, does this describe me? Am I off the truth? Do I listen to Jesus' voice in the scriptures? Or am I living a self-centered life? When I gather together with the saints, what am I doing? Am I always on my phone? Am I always thinking about myself? Am I always thinking, how can I use that person to get what I want? Or are you listening to his voice in the scriptures? Are you hearing what Jesus says about what you as a member are called to do and minister in the congregation? Are you indifferent to the truth? You see, what Pilate displays here, this indifference to the truth, is the sad spiritual condition of every sinner. Jesus tells us in John 3, 3, that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless he is made alive, unless his heart is changed by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. Unless that happens, he cannot see the truth, let alone believe it. And the kingdom which Christ proclaims is a kingdom that bears witness to the truth. The truth of Christmas, dear friends, can only be truly celebrated if God first graciously opens the hearts and the minds of spiritually dead sinners so that they can see and recognize the truth about who God is and who we are before him. Only then will sinners put their trust in Christ. You know, this is the confession of everyone who has become a Christian, of everyone who submits to the King of Truth. We see this confession in 1 John 5.20. It's the passage we, we read in our call to worship. And we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. We can rejoice in the truth when we are in a saving relationship with the God of truth, if we are united to the one who is true, therefore to be given the ability by God's grace to see God's truth in Christ, to turn away from falsehood, and to put your trust in the truth is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. You know, Jesus said this of his disciples, speaking to his father in John 17, verse 8. He said, For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I come, that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Friends, I want to encourage you this morning 
to read this gospel, the gospel of John, for yourself. Be acquainted with what Jesus says about himself. You know, if you're new, you're a visitor, and if you'd like a copy of the Gospel of John, we have several copies on the tables. Uh, we have several resources for you. You can take them for free. And my prayer is that as you read John, you will begin to see that the truth is synonymous with Jesus and his Gospel. No one is born a Christian. We become Christians when we hear the truth of God's saving kingship in Christ, and we are given the ability to believe in the one who is true. This is the word of truth that we have come to believe in. So beloved, do you listen to the truth so as to obey it? You know, that's the devotion that our king demands. He demands the obedience of faith. And there's a warning for us in scripture in 1 John 2, 4. John writes, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You see, we keep his words not to be saved, but we keep his words because we have been saved, and we have come to love the truth and delight in it. Jesus said that he was born, he came into the world to bear witness to the truth. But the content of that truth is himself, who he is, what he has come to do for sinners. And this is why the angels sang glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconcile. You know, that's not the Christmas truth that the world wants to hear. But that is the truth. This is the truth that Christ has called us to proclaim. But the question is, Will you hear it? Will you listen to the truth? Will you worship him as your God and Savior and no other? Let's pray. Father, we marvel at your grace that you have shown to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. We praise you that you are the God of truth and love. And Lord, we pray that the truth of your saving grace would so shape and form our identities and lives that we might adorn the gospel. Oh, that your spirit would cause many to be born again as they hear your voice. Cause them, O oh Lord, to come to you with a worshipful heart and submit to the King of Kings. Be glorified, O oh Lord, in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray.